Hello there, a bit Spursy listener. It's me, Barney. And me, Dan. And we are here to tell you some fantastic news. We have started a free Discord to which you can go on and chat all things Tottenham Hotspur and other related concepts. <laughs> yeah, to join that, uh, head to discord.gg slash a bit Spursy. That's correct. We also now have a Patreon to which you can pay for Spurs-related content. <laughs> and, it sounds uh, like a scam. It's not a scam here. It's, it's not a scam. We're not scamming. We're not scamming. It's, uh, look, we, we love uh, you know creating this podcast and there's a whole bunch of other things that we want to do with some streams, uh, some watch-alongs and, and these sort of bits and pieces. If you would like to help us out and support us there, we'd really appreciate it. We'll be able to create more Spurs, Spurs content and uh, sort of have fun doing that. So if you'd like to do that, uh, please head to Patreon com slash a bit uh, The more of you that are on the Patreon, the less time I have to spend in the coal mine, which is my job. <laughs> so let's get Barney out of the coal mine. And uh, yeah, all links can be found uh, on our website at abitspursy.com. A lesson that we have to, to, to learn after, uh, after the, today, that there are games that uh, if you are not able to go to win, you are not to lose. Hello, Spurs fans, and happy Easter. Good Friday. It's not Good Friday, but it is the day that uh, we're speaking about uh, Conte's football dying uh, to be <laughs> resurrected, hopefully, uh, in our next fixture. Um, I'm Barney. I'm Dad. Um, I'm trying to continue the the uh, religious festival tradition from the last episode. No, I love it. We'll just have to find a different religious festival each week mm. that we can tastefully um, yeah. work in yeah. <laughs> to Spurs storyline and our intros. I love it. Yeah, yeah, tastefully um, uh, give a give a shout out to, you know, many different religious festivals. Um, it feels like, you know, last week I know we were both so, like, eager to, to chat about the game. We played so well. It was so exciting. And then this week's game was, like, just the biggest fart noise. Um, how, how are you feeling, uh, post Brighton? I'm feeling okay now, like definitely straight after the game, I was a little, I was a little bit disappointed because it might've been on last week's episode where I think I was talking about, we've reached the turning point. Now we believe in ourselves. It's uh it's all good from here. Um, I still thought we would drop points at some stage, you know, throughout the rest of the season, but I think it was just more the manner of the defeat, which was the most disappointing thing. Like Brighton aren't a horrible team. Like they're pretty good, especially for the budget they've, you know, spent on the squad. But I think that, yeah, just overall it was because we came out so flat and this was such a good opportunity to really kind of cement fourth for us. I think that to me was the most disappointing part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, (laughs) I felt the same way. Like it really felt like, um, old Spurs is dead. We're not going to shit the bed. (laughs) <laughs> and not we just kind of did, um, and the the manner of the defeat where it was flat, um, but I think you know a lot of the commentary during the game was like Spurs aren't kicking the ball fast enough, and like sure, but I think that had a lot to do with how Brighton set up and they set up really well with, I think our fullbacks every time or wingbacks rather had the ball it was a two on one like they they really worked uh, to clutter. 
um, the area and, you know, sort of just nullify. It felt very much to me like they were playing like Spurs AVB ball from a few years ago where they were just <laughs> like, nothing was really happening going forward until obviously the end. Um, but they weren't allowing us sort of almost any chances. I mean, <laughs> if you look at our, you know, uh, shots and shots on target, it's pretty uh, abysmal reading. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I feel like, see, I don't know exactly where Mwepu technically plays. Like, is he listed? As, I think he's more of a midfielder than technically a forward. And so it kind of felt like Brighton was setting up with, a, in a way, with a false nine, but not really with a playing with a false nine. They're just like, we're just not going to play with a forward and we'll just kind of clog up the, the middle of the park and that's it. Um, the thing I find most fascinating about this, though, is like the week before when um, Brighton played Arsenal. Um, before that, you know, Spurs fans, we talk about it. Well, Arsenal, they've got a tricky game against Brighton. Brighton are pretty good. They're not bad. They could actually take some points here and and do that. And then when when Brighton win, we're like, hell yeah, that's great. Awesome. Um, they knocked out Arsenal. And then when we lose them, it's like, oh, what is this? This is where should belong in the championship. <laughs> and yeah, I kind of yeah. just feel like we can't have it. You can't have it both ways. Like if we're kind of, acknowledging that, you know, like there are tricky games in this league and there are just genuinely like good teams that are not superstar teams. We can't sort of like, you know, talk about them like they're like this, you know, cultured, brilliantly crafted, um, <laughs> you know, team. Oh, Potter. Wow. What a wonderful manager he is whenever they play our rivals. But then when we, when we play them, we should just be thrashing them. Yeah. Yep. That is exactly that is exactly the kind of rhetoric that's been around, Brian. Every week that they don't play us, it's like really attractive, good football. They've really built <laughs> something. It's incredible. Of course they beat Arsenal. You know, they can do that. They're that kind of club. And then, yeah, they play us and it's like, what? <laughs> what? No, that's stuff we were saying. That's not, that doesn't apply now. That's not, that, no, it's not a, they haven't set up well for us. That's. Uh, no, no, actually, um, uh, timeout, uh, redacted. Don't, I don't want anything to do with this. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought after they beat Arsenal and then we were playing them, my, uh, anxieties for this game definitely rose where it was like, okay, like we could get done here. And we did, and we had zero shots on target. Um, so, you know, it was back to the old Nuno days, which was so... So depressing to watch. And it was because they set up so well. Like every time Son got the ball, he was uh, tackled by at least one Brighton player, if not two or three. Um, there was no space given to anyone. And then also like the fouling thing, I was like, Gerard tried this. It didn't work. But Brighton did it in a, like, I don't know if it was a better way, but it just seemed to work. Even though there were cards going around, it, it just seemed to work. Not in the sense that our players were like, oh, no, they're being rough. Um, but in that they weren't, they were getting yellows, but then there was no further infractions that were being punished. Yeah. And I think it was like comparing it to the Villa game, Brighton definitely weren't going in as aggressively with their tackling as Villa were. But there were a few questionable decisions and you could probably argue of you know going the other way too there were maybe one or two of our tackles that also could have been carted but i really kind of feel like in that first half like and way was lucky to stay on um especially after like you know effectively sort of stomping on hoybier 
and you can go, oh yeah, he was trying to play the ball. He was trying to play the ball. But it's like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. He missed the ball completely and he just stopped on top of his foot. And in normal circumstances, that would be a yellow. So stuff like that, it was, it's very, I think it's very irritating when you have those challenges where it's like, that would normally be a yellow, but refs are hesitant to give it as a second yellow to send them off. And it's like, they should just be ruled independently of each other. I think like you can't just go, well, he's already on a yellow. So, um, because what happens is, and Waipu goes in, makes that challenge. And then the ref calls over dunk and he's like, all right, come on, come on, come on, Lewis. All right. I need to chat about this. Your players, he's gone in there. He's fouled him. I probably should be sending him off. You know, I should send him off. Do you know that, Lewis? I should give him a, a, a bloody red right now, but I'm not going to. You just go tell him to settle down and stop being a naughty boy. And it's like, yeah. what, how, if the ref is having that kind of conversation with the captain, I think it should be like, well, hang on. That was the yellow card. It should be a second yellow and he should be gone. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's hilarious that 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 happened. I remember when that happened, I was like, this is insane. The fact that he's called you over to be like, by the letter of the law and as a good referee, it should be a yellow card. But between you and me, I'm not going to do that um, because I believe that he can change in this game. He can stop these reckless tackles and um, stop endangering other players. I know that there's a good person in there. It's like, no, send him, send him off. Um, and the game management side of refereeing, I find very fascinating. Like you'll hear... Uh, the pundits or the co uh, commentators talk about like, um, oh well, it's early in the game, so that probably won't be a won't be a yellow. Um, he's you know, and it's like, what? Like, no, it should be. Um, and I wonder, you know, in terms of game management and and entertainment product, like how much does it kind of does the lines blur there, where the refs then make decisions based on game state uh, as a as an entertainment entity rather than the rules, which seemingly, you know, should uh, just dictate the events rather than, than be suggestions. Well, look, if that's the case, let's just make it official and let's just start the game with like a 10 minute bloodbath where there are just, it's lawless. There are no rules at all. You can do whatever you want. You can elbow someone in the face. You can break a leg. You can do that. And then at 10 minutes on the dot, it clicks on to like, well, hang on. All right. Now we're going to actually, you know, rule infringements, but anything beforehand, anything goes, be as rough as you want. Get like a gangs of New York sort of situation and just, <laughs> just have at it. Yeah. I, I think that's great. We could have, uh, you know, holds barred. You can put, um, maybe you can hide a razor blade, uh, in your sock, <laughs> pull that out. Imagine that first 10 minutes is like, oh no, oh God, okay, here we go. Yep, Tottenham have called in the army. Uh, this is going to get very <laughs> ugly. Because um, <laughs> it's stupid. It's like if someone, and it does happen, you know, someone will do a tackle in the first minute and they get sent off. But it's pretty rare. And a lot of the discourse around it is like, well, you know, it's got like that. And then when the first yellow happens, it's like, well, from now on, it'll be yellow cards for the boys because they've, <laughs> they've pushed it. They've pushed it too far. And now the cards are out. Yeah. So that's why we should just lead fully into it. Like imagine then you'd have players, imagine the sort of players you'd buy. Like every team would have at least one or two kind of like six foot six enforcer type, like Vinnie Jones on absolute steroids, um, who uh, they just start the game and they're just patrolling back and forth around halfway. And then it's like that they're just protecting all the skilled players behind them for that first 10 minutes. And then it's boom, 10 minutes sub off we go. All right. Now the game can begin and we can just have rules that are consistent for, for the rest of the 80 minutes. 
and then fans won't get as annoyed with the referee. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's also kind of funny because <laughs> there's there's this acknowledgement that players dive and that players simulate um, fouls, and that's part of the game. And uh, you you try and get a player sent off and blah blah blah. But then also there's like all the the hard men. Um, color commentators are always like, he's gone down way too easy. And it, like, it's the standard for what he's going down too easy is random. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't, like, there can be tackles that can look innocuous uh, and are horrendous. And there are other ones that um, look horrendous. And, uh, you know, like, the way the play has gone down is completely over the top because what they've done successfully is make it look really bad. Like, that's what they're trying to do. So they're also like agents within this like facade of how how good or bad a tackle is e- equaling uh, whether it should be punished. It's it's bananas. It's always it's funny. theater. It's always funny with those um, <clears throat> those pundits, like especially when you get Roy Keane. He's always oh, going down too easy, and he's just like you purposely injured some like. Har- like Erling Haaland's dad, you injured him and ruined his career. And afterwards you said, I wanted to end his career. So you <laughs> should have no like forum to speak about whether a player has gone down easily or not, because you are the type of player that has made that a thing. <laughs> like yeah. players go, I'm going to go down easily because I'm, I just, it's easy. It's better that way than actually taking this sort of career ending challenge. I'm not advocating mm-hmm. diving, but I think that, yeah, it's always very funny when you have, um, yeah, a lot of the English commentators get really get stuck in um, about that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think it's, it, you know, like a much better thing is to be like, uh, and it, this is very hard to do, especially when it goes against you, where you're like, okay, that wasn't a, a card, that tackle, as you can see, but the player is so skilled um, in Stanislavski's acting techniques, Meisner, um, you know, that they're able to create a situation to which they replicate uh, a truthful portrayal of someone being injured. And let's just take a moment to uh, let's take a moment to just acknowledge how, how skillful it was that they threw themselves onto the ground. I would be all down for that. If it's like the panel's made up with like three of these, the older English players, and then you've got <laughs> one just like, you know, like like acting coach, like, yeah. you know, Eastern European genius mind. Um, and they are just analyzing the pure theatricality of it. Um, mm. But I'll, I'll be fine with that. If VAR had, there was a thing where they're like, well, you know what? It, it did go down, but it was so believable. And yeah. it took me on a journey. <laughs> it took me back to my childhood. And yeah. I mean, I feel transformed since watching that dive. So therefore we're going to allow it and we're going to reward it even further. Yeah, art equals change. Um, after seeing that, seeing the pain, seeing the suffering of the human condition through that piece of acting, um, I am now going to change my life. I'm going to um, I'm going to start being kinder to people. I'm going to start donating to charities. You know, like that would be. Fa- uh, but also, like at the same time, I think um, that can be a discussion that's going on. It doesn't really need to affect the game. Like the game just happens as it is. Yeah. Um, but we just acknowledge some of these fantastic performances. You know, what I I feel like this makes me think, you know, when we talk about like sort of the xenophobic thoughts of like, as soon as a player does go down, it's like, well, very Latin of him, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's like in the, in the minds of people who say that, I feel like this discussion we're having is what they think like South American punditry would be on a game. Yeah. Where it's like they're just sitting down around admiring the diving and it's like, 
you know, part of their culture. It's so, oh, that's just what we do. It's like, we are deceptive. And it's like, when we talk about being xenophobic, it really is because it's like, you're just going like, yes. Oh, it's very Latin to just basically be a cheater and like mm. to like fool people into something. Yeah. Um, be dishonest. Yeah. Um, try and, uh, try and uh, like manipulate the honest game, the working man's game, these, you know, these players from a faraway land. Um, yeah. I can imagine that they probably think <laughs> these Latin players, heavy quotations, um, you know, like the commentary would be like, um, oh, he's thrown himself to the floor. Oh, wow. That was the passion. We love passion. Like, <laughs> Let's see that replay over and over again. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's even better from the second angle. Oh my goodness. I, I love to uh, like when these commentators make those comments, it's like they think just because they say Latin and they're not specifically like naming a country or something, it's like they feel they get away with saying it. Where it's just like, oh Latin, it's like, oh, that was kind of a bit racist what you said. It's like, well, no, I didn't what country did I name? Like that's what not race. <laughs> what race was it? Oh, well, you said Latin. That's You said it was yeah, pretty... Yeah, that's kind of... What do you... No, 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 not me. Um, this conversation was more exciting than the game was. The game was dull. It was so dull. I, I can't remember, or no, I can, when we had Nuno as a manager, a game being this dull. And it felt mm. to me like the changes and uh, like... Sure, the players obviously are the players on the field, but it felt to me like this was on, you know, like Conte shares some of the blame here. And I know he's, you know, the untouchable messiah and I, I love him, but also I was like, this is not working, bro. Like you need to do something here. Um, and bringing on Lucas Mora is probably not going to work. Um, even though I called for it, but then realized maybe me and Conte are the same. We had the same idea. Um, he came on and then maybe we had the same reaction it was like, Oh no, 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 not going to happen. Yeah. Buddy, I love, uh, I love about this, that it's like, we're having fun, not talking about the game as much as possible, but then there's something <laughs> inside you like, no, no, I need to get this off my chest. <laughs> I need to do it for myself. I need to do it for any of mm. the listeners here who are thinking, mm. like, well, I don't give a crap about those stupid things you're talking about. Just <laughs> let me process my emotions from the game. Um, yeah, yeah. But I yep. think it's like, yeah, I think if the way you sort of summed up there is, is bang on and it does, yeah, the, the feeling, it was just such a weird feeling watching this and it did take us back to that feeling of despair from like when we had Nuno maybe. And like, this seemed like the sort of game that would happen if we had gone out of the top four race and like, it had been cemented that we cannot make Champions League, we couldn't make Europa League and we're fighting for like a conference league spot and the players are just like, oh, oh okay. Mm. Um, and I think it just, it had that feeling about it. And I think the, the other interesting thing here is like, the, we're, we're really trying to like pinpoint on like what happened, what was the main catalyst for this. And I just think that overall, there were so many different reasons that added up um, and not even then taking into account that Brighton just got their game plan right. And they thought we're just going to go there and just absolutely flood the midfield and not give their, we're going to match them up as well with wingbacks and we're not going to give them any time. And we're just going to cut off, you know, all right, they're going to go down the wings. We'll cut that off. They want to go to Kane. We'll try, we'll cut that off. And <laughs> I think that's why I was disappointed with Kane from this game because, mm. and I think like online, I've seen some things saying like, this really shows why we need Ericsson. This is why we need a number 10. This is why we need that. 
And I don't know if I agree with that because I kind of feel like how Kane has been playing and how he wants to play, he's the one who is dropping back to play in that number 10 role. And then Kulisevsky and Son are kind of getting in behind. So mm. if we get Ericsson back into this team, who who leaves? Because we we can't, like, then we have to go to two up front and then we would have to be playing, like, Ericsson behind, like, Kane and, and Son, for example. Or are we going to yep. try and shift Kulisevsky in there when for the last, you know, couple of months, like, that threesome at the front has worked really well. So I kind of feel that, like, Kane deserves a little bit more of the blame for this game because I don't think he looked up for it um, in, in the sense of like, he looked, he didn't look as sharp as he's been. He didn't look anywhere near as sharp um, as mm. he's been for quite a while. And mm. I think it's, he's worthy of some criticism rather than say, just criticizing Betaker and Hoybier for not getting the ball to him because oh, Kane needs yeah. to drop back. And like, that's what he does in these games. He's like, he drops back and makes sure he gets the ball if he's not being worked into play, but he didn't do that at all in this one. Yeah, I um, just re- I was looking. I haven't been on the athletic in months, and I was like, "Well, let's just see what they said about it." And it is exactly what you just said. It wasn't where it's like um, uh, Pierre Emil Hoyer, um was waving his around, waving his arms around, looking for movement, taking touch after touch, and funneling the ball uh, wide. Um, you know, he wasn't moving the ball forward effectively. Um, and here it says at also. Um, uh, Lucas Moore came on to little effect. Agree. But then Steven Bergwijn was only trusted for the final few minutes. Like what? That's not, tr- <laughs> like, it's not that he's not trusted. Like that, <laughs> that's insane. Mm, oh, definitely. Um, yeah. It, it, <laughs> it's just like, I feel these sort of results bring out the worst of us fans. Cause we just kind of mm. go back to whatever narrative we want to be pushing. So yeah. for all the people who are just absolutely frothing to re-sign Ericsson, this is sort of in their mind the perfect game where it's like, well, if only we had Ericsson, we would have mm. we would have been able to win there. For people who want us to sign new wingbacks, they're like, well, our wingbacks were rubbish. They were that. And it was like, damn, there were just so many things. And, and then the main thing that people criticize is like, well, Hoybear and Bentaker aren't actually that good in there and we need more creativity in those two positions. And and all that. But like what you said, like during the game, I noticed that Hoybier was nutting it at someone and I couldn't mm. see given like where the screen was sort of cropped, who it was. But then I have read some stuff afterwards that was like on a multiple occasions, Hoybier was getting quite frustrated with Kane and Son. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, I felt, I think you're right. Like Kane didn't seem kind of up for it. It was like, I don't know what the deal was. Maybe um, him and Charlie Kane's motorcycle had to be painted that week and they couldn't sit on it and pretend to drive it. Um, and that's really threw him off or he needs, because Conte had COVID, right? Like he was um, not able to be at the training ground. Uh, maybe Kane didn't get his special one-on-one time with Conte. And so that um, put him in a grumpy mood because um, he felt like just another you know, I don't know, team player. Um, and that, that made him, that made him angry. I, I think in terms of like what you said about the narratives and the, the transient nature of, of narratives in football and how people change their, uh, uh, feelings or opinions based on what they, what they want. They're like looking for confirmation, but like, it's, it's hilarious to me that I love Ericsson and I'll take him back in a second, but he was getting booed. Like, because of, he was like, I'm ready to move on and make a different, you know, do a different thing. 
he was getting booed. His final game, he waved goodbye and got booed. Like, mm. <laughs> it's ridiculous that now all of a sudden it seems like everyone's like, he was, he's Tottenham's true heir, son. Oh, I can't wait to have him back. Um, and on sort of on those narratives, like all leading up to the last few weeks of wins, it's been like, will Tottenham make top four? They probably can't, blah, 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 blah. And then we're fourth, right? And I've just seen that Lucas Moore has been quote, quoted saying, top four is still possible for Tottenham. It's like, yeah, we're fourth. Like, <laughs> we are fourth. Uh, we're in the driving seat, Lucas. Uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's all in our destiny, to be honest, my man. Um, mm. like, yeah. It's like, I, I just wonder, you know, when are we, when are we going to be happy? Because like, if you look at our recent results from the last five games, we've won four, lost one. I think mm. from our last 10, we've won seven or maybe eight, um, which you would take. Like if you mm. took that over the course of the season, we would definitely take that as like an overall um, sort of tra trajectory to go on. So given how well we have been playing and how many goals we scored this year and how many games we have actually won, um, I just yeah, think it, yeah, there, this game was a really, really off game for a, a whole host of reasons. And mm. I think it's like maybe, you know, you can point to like 10, 12 different reasons that all just happened magically at the same time. And it was just a really bad sort of coincidence with all these things going on. And we lost this game. That doesn't necessarily mean that you are right with your outrage opinion of <laughs> yeah. holding on to something and finding an excuse to hate the club and like get annoyed with our transfer policy and like, yeah. and all this sort of stuff. Like, you know, having said all that, I, I do think that, you know, overall this game as well, it did show up some weaknesses to say, um, Emerson and Reggie and Reggion. Mm. Um, and I feel like, you know, it's, it's no real sort of secret that they are not the answers long-term for us at, at wingback. Um, yeah. but it's like, I, I, I don't just don't feel like I need to go in again on them after this game when we sort of spoken about how they're both not really fully suited to wing back. And um, this was just another example of, of them, even in tight spaces, just struggling to really, especially Regan. He's, he's just not great in tight spaces at all. He just needs, he needs a big open paddock to sprint into. Hmm. Um, yeah. And it's like, yeah, that was just like, you know, kind of expected. And um, it was interesting to see, like, I think Conte again this week's, he referenced the fact of, of Doherty's challenge, like the Cash's challenge on Doherty and, and that. So, yeah, you know, like what, 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 what can you say about those, you know, players like that? Like nothing's going to change until the end of the season, but I think we'll be okay. I think we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah. I was really surprised that, um, Cess didn't play, um, because he seemingly is more composed in the final third. He's not as quick as Reggie, but Doherty, our Lord and Saviour, wasn't. He's not particularly quick either, um, but he seemed to be making a real difference to our output. Uh, I think I was really excited for Reggie and Conte and playing wing back, and you know because he's um, a more attacking fullback. I was like, oh, this will work really well. But we're sort of starting to realise that he's not that great defensively. He's he's terrible at taking shots. Um, he's, you know, like when he gets to the final third and, and in tight spaces, he's not good. Um, and, um, that's, that's what he is. And it's a real shame. Cause you know, like I was very excited when we signed him. Um, 
So Real Madrid, if you want to activate that buyback <laughs> clause, uh, anytime. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like he he reminds you of. It's like if you have dogs and then you let them outside the front door, like mm. when you're going to take them for a walk, and they get overexcited and then they just sprint up and down the driveway because they <laughs> yeah. just don't know what to do and they're just like, ah, oh, go running, I'm outside. Ah. Um, yeah, and he just sort of reminds me of that. And yeah, I think look, the more the time goes on. I feel that if Madrid did activate the buyback clause, which I'm pretty sure is just under 40 million pounds mm. or euros or whatever it is, I I don't think that's the worst solution for us. Mm. And I think that just seeing how we are starting to play, I feel like we just, you know, we can't just go, oh, we need wingbacks who are fast and, and get up and down. It's like they need to be able to do that to an extent, but they also mm. just need to be like solid on the ball. Yeah, and they really yeah. have to be able to play well to like pull off Conte's automations and his passing patterns and everything else. And I think Emerson is a bit better than that at than than Reggion. But then going forward, Emerson's just not not great there. So yeah, just more positions we need to sort of uh, need to sort of look at there. But I think one thing which is probably worth chatting about is Stevie, mm. because I kind of feel like he should be getting more than five minutes at the end of games Yeah. to like, Hey, Hey Steve, remember what you did against Leicester? Just come on, do that again. All right, mate. Yep. Cool. See ya. Um, it's like, I really feel that we should be trying to get him on a little bit earlier. And I know that we kind of keep Son on because even if he's not playing well, he gets a sniff at goal and he, he puts it in. Um, so it seemed, but it seems like that maybe just overextends a little bit or in a game like this, Kane's not really doing much. So why not try mixing it up? Chuck Son in the middle, bring on Stevie, see if we can get something else happening. Um, I don't know, but I I just feel that like I I, I do want to see more than five minutes of Bergwijn every week. Yeah, I mean I am shocked. I'm still surprised when Lucas comes on before him, because to me he's a better footballer in every single way. So I don't understand why Lucas is still getting minutes when we know his limitations. Is it the dice roll every time where it's like, we could today get uh, Ronaldo, Messi combined Lucas and he's going to be unbelievable <laughs> and have one of those games? Or are we just going to get normal Lucas, which we get, you know, we get maybe two games a year of, of God Lucas. Um, he would love me calling him God Lucas, I'm sure. Um, he would probably hate that, Barney. He would probably say that's the most blasphemous thing. Oh, true, 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 true. It'd be that's like burning a cross in front of his face. <laughs> Acolyte of the Lord, <laughs> Lucas Mora. There we go. <laughs> uh, um, but I don't. I just don't understand the Stevie thing. Like when he came on, he he wasn't any uh, worse than than any any of the front, the other front three that day. Like, and he can pass the ball and he can shoot. Um, neither of those things Lucas can do. So like, and we saw there was already, I think Lucas came on and immediately tried to dribble around like three players and then um, put a really bad pass to Reggion. Like that was slow and like, it was never going to get to him. Um, and it was like, what, what is happening? Like, why, <laughs> why is he on? Like, why is Bergwijn just sitting on the bench? Yeah. Like I feel personally with, when we have Lucas and, it is, it is weird because there have been some games where he has come into the middle and he's been pretty good at getting the ball and turning, but then it's what he does 
um, after that. So he can kind of get the ball in a tight space, but then once he has to then, you know, do something with that, it's just, like you said, such a, you know, luck of the draw as to what happens. Um, I feel like if the game's quite open, great, bring Lucas on. He'll help stretch the game even more. But when it's not, like I think, you know, Bergwijn's got much better close control. Um, and he's also quite direct and he's just got a bit more cutting edge in, in front of goal. And I mean, he's shown he can score. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, I just would, you know, love to be seeing more of that. Um, I, I think it just does show as well, you know, our squad is a little bit thin at the moment. Like it would be good if we had some different types of players that we could bring on in these sort of situations um, or just to have options throughout the game. So we kind of know like, all right, Maybe we need to get it up into the box. Let's bring on Weghorst. <laughs> let's yeah, like you know, let, let's just. I I think that would be good for us to to have just a few more options where we can kind of mix it up against teams that do manage to shut down our normal game plan. Totally, and we had that for one season with um the wonderful the wonderful corpse uh, Lorente. And we've never, it's like, that was great. We had this guy that we could bring on and be like, just pump balls into him and see what happens. Um, we've got to go to plan C because nothing's working. And it worked. And then um, we never did that again. And it's like, ah. <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, that was during the the golden days of Paul Mitchell, who apparently I've seen is going to be taking over at Chelsea apparently, which is so fitting given that um he apparently was skimming money off transfers. <laughs> so it's perfect for him to go to Chelsea. That's his it'll be a homecoming. Um but uh, talking of directors of football, um I wonder if you if you would like to transition into uh the greatest segment that's ever been put on a podcast. What's he been doing? What's he up to? Paratici Watch. Yes, yes, back for Paratici Watch. <laughs> back for another episode of Paratici Watch. He's innocent. He's innocent. He's innocent. That is the big news in Paratici world this week. Uh, he has been cleared, uh, which it's interesting. It's 59 individuals have been cleared. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty big, like, yeah. it's a pretty big amount. And I feel like if you're having to clear 59 people as doing something, someone in that group has done something wrong. Absolutely. Like this, <laughs> I, I struggle to kind of understand, but I'm so happy about it. Um, mm. But like the fact it was Italy's federal court um, <laughs> have cleared <laughs> 59 of them, including, including our dear, dear Fabio. Imagine being in the courtroom there and it's like, they're going through 59 names. Yeah. Gian Pietro de Losa, innocent. Yeah. Stevie Bergamo, innocent. Yeah. And you're just sitting there waiting, you're like, oh, come on, get to me, get to me, get to me. Um, I hope that they did exactly <laughs> what you just did, where it's like, it's like and we've got Fabio Beretigi, pause, 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 pause for dramatic effect, innocent. Like <laughs> every single time. Yeah. They would like the longer it goes on, the more anticipation they leave. So before the last yeah. one, uh, Federico Tonali. <laughs> Innocent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. I wish I'd been in that courtroom. 
Um, also, I can't believe that there was 59, like they weren't like, all right, we've done, we've done our investigation. We've nailed it down to these key players. <laughs> or maybe they have, and they started with like 20,000 of them and they were like 59 are the key players. <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised if there's now another appeal in a different case and whether uh, our beloved Fabio's involved in that, um, you know, who knows? Hopefully not. But for now, an innocent man. Oh, definitely. I, I think there has to be an appeal on that. Like, imagine if you're the prosecutors and you're like, you know, you're talking to your boss, like, don't look, don't worry, don't worry. There's 59 chances for us to prosecute at least one. We're going to have to get one. Just even like yeah. if the, the the judge or the jury or whoever make a mistake on this, they're mm. probably going to like wrongfully convict one. Mm. And then mm. 59 later, and it's like, you couldn't even get one. You could, th th you had so many chances. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's 59 police officers getting told off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of you failed. Um, in terms of his, his game day antics, I made a note to myself to look for him, but again, I didn't see anything. Yeah, I think the, the annoying thing when we play at home is that the camera is on the same side of the, the ground. Um, so we don't actually get to see just like, because mm. like I, I love, I think it's especially when we play Everton because their ground's quite small and the, the sort of co coaches and players boxes are on the other side. You can see like, and like this is earlier in the season, you could see like Paratici and Hitchin just sitting on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> like Paratici waving his arms around and, um, and you know, Hitchin just glowing there in the sunlight. Um, yeah. yeah. But then now it's, uh, it's hard to see. And you know what? Something about Spurs, they're not so happy to put up Conte cam um, when we lose, <laughs> don't play well. Mm. Um, or even if Conte cam does come up, it usually doesn't go for anywhere near as long as when we scored like four or five goals and we, we sort of see Conte just running in and like, you know, mm. almost like just crowd surfing on, <laughs> on top of the rest of the squad. So yeah, match day antics. I feel like it would have been quite a quiet run for Paratici, although you'd have to think after the game, he would have been quite unhappy. He would have been nutting it. He would have been nutting it. I haven't seen the post-game press conference for this. Uh, have you? And if so, how was Conte? Did he um, have any meltdowns? Because it's only one loss. So I'm thinking that maybe the meltdown is... Uh, not going to be as pub, wouldn't be as public, but maybe if we lose again next week, there might be some, uh, some sound bites. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I saw little bits and pieces from what Conte said, but I, from, from what I saw, um, I don't think he, he was more just like, you know, we have to learn, we have to, we have to do this. And, and I think like after the recent run of games as well, like, yeah, he, he's not going to like that we lost this game and really thinks that we should have won it. But I think we're not going to get another outburst like like we had against um, after the Burnley result, where I was just like, "Well, I don't know what I'm doing with my life anymore." And <laughs> yeah. What's even football? What's that? like? I don't think we're going to get that because we have genuinely been pretty good and we have improved a lot. Um, and mm. I think we're heading towards how he wants us to play consistently. But we just need to get rid of you know, or we just need to minimize these results as much as we can. Uh, but yeah, I don't think Conte was too was too perturbed from this. Yeah, I mean, uh, to take further parallels between myself and Conte, obviously, both of us wanted to bring Lucas Moura on. We both had coronavirus this week. Um, and I wonder, you know, obviously he's a tactician. He's a mastermind of football. And the thing that I've noticed, especially early in the week with 
having COVID is like the, the COVID brain thing is real. Like I just, uh, was empty <laughs> inside my head. Like, and I wonder whether he was trying to work it out and he just couldn't because of the, the old COVID brain. Well, I kind of imagine with your COVID brain that that would, you know, anyone who has COVID at one time, that would put you sort of, you would be able to like telepathically see into Conte's head and you'd be able to meet mm. inside this like void, this like, you know, stranger things, big, giant, gaping <laughs> space. And you would give us a real insight into like Conte because you've had these personal conversations with him. Through the um, 5G transmission of the virus, yeah. of course. Um, yeah, that's how I really, uh, you know, um, I was responsible for the technical setup. I'll just be completely honest here. I'm sorry. Um, I can imagine, I think you're right. The stranger things, like his brain, if you're inside, it would be the upside, you know, that like all dark and then there's just water on the ground. Definitely. And then, <laughs> I don't know, just him standing there or somebody else. Um uh, I can imagine that's what it would be like. It'd be a scary place. I feel like there's definitely a, a, a demigorgon running around in there, but I wonder if the demigorgon is Conte himself. Yeah. There is a small version yeah. of himself inside his braid, mm. just running mm. around, just ravishly feasting on anything that comes by. <laughs> and that's the reason why we get those sort of, you know, emotional outbursts from him. Cause that's when the little Conte, the Conte Gorgon, I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> that just takes over and just sort of ekes its way out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where our next game is against Brentford, which you would, as much as there was a lot of talk at the start of the season about how um, brilliant Brentford were and blah, 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 that's kind of disappeared. Um, so I'm not, it still makes me worried because of, you know, the start of the, of the season that they had and we'll be versing Christian Eriksen. Um, so. But also they did slap Chelsea pretty recently too. They did. Oh, they did too. Oh no. So, <laughs> oh no. I feel they showed they still are capable of doing something like their season mm. has been, you're right. Like their season has been so mixed. Like they've won 11, drawn six, lost 16. Um, mm. Goal difference of minus eight. So, I mean, again, it's a game we should be winning, but in the last five games, I've only lost one. <laughs> so yeah. it could be challenging. And given that we are playing away, mm. um, and I'm sure that, you know, for all the people screaming to re-sign Ericsson, um, Ericsson will absolutely play a blinder in this game um, yeah. rather than just be a good bloke and, and help us out. Um, <laughs> and, and to clarify my stats, I would take back Ericsson, but, you know, in a squad role and, not necessarily having him signing every week. Um, just, just to clarify, I'm, I'm pro Ericsson. Um, and I think, <laughs> I don't know, Brentford seemed like the team that they could, if we, if we were caught off guard, they could get us. But I feel like after this Brighton result, Conte will be like absolutely putting the team <laughs> through the ringer this week <laughs> yeah. to sort of avoid that happening. So mm. I don't know. I go into it optimistic that we will bounce back. Um, and I don't think we'll see another game <laughs> like we did against Brighton. Yeah, I think so too. Um, should we get on to the the medal? Uh, yeah, we should we should get on to the medal, and then we've also got then one question as well from oh. the, um, from Marty. So, what would you like to do first, the medal? Um, do they tie into each other at all? Uh, not even remotely. 
Great. All right, let's do the question first. Uh, I don't even know if this is a serious question for Marty, but uh, uh, on the Discord, uh, Marty Mariner, uh, do you think that kids yep. holding up signs saying, can I please have your shirt, is a good or bad habit that started? I think it's really interesting as a habit because we've seen, you know, a cup, you know, it started happening and then there was that weird phase where kids were running onto the pitch and crying and then like <laughs> Ronaldo or someone would be like, it's okay. And then they'd <laughs> walk off, you know, like that was insane. And the, can I have your shirt stuff? Like, uh, I mean, I guess it's harmless because it's not really like whatever, like the players, it's their shirt. They can do whatever they want with it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's it's interesting that it's become this common thing. And, and part of it, I think, is that the cameras focus. It's like uh, if you watch the French Open, the coverage of the crowd is just very, very beautiful women. Yeah. Um, like it's just constant. I'll just cut away from the tennis and then there'll be a very uh, good looking woman um, eating a strawberry or something. And they'll just hold it for ages and go back. It's kind of like that. But it's like, look at these kids brought the sign. Um, and then to tie up that narrative, then we want Son to give the shirt. So that's why I think it exists on television coverage, but you know, whatever. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I don't see much of a problem with it. I think it's like just clear communication from the kids going, Hey, I want him here. I don't want to just say hi to you. I want your shirt. So yeah, <laughs> can I have your shirt? Just give me your shirt, please. Um, mm. on cutting to the crowd, something I find interesting is that it's kind of like, Sky Sports really want to make a point that Korean fans like Son because yeah. like we always seem oh to God. now have at least one or two shots cutting to a um like a Korean fan in the crowd holding like a Korean flag and a a, a Son mask or something like that. Um yeah. and yeah, which I just find there's something a little weird about it. Yeah. Like I love I, I love just cutting when they cut to the crowd and it's showing random shots and it doesn't matter who the person is. Um, mm. but it just seems like it's definitely a, a trend where they, they really want to like cement that, I don't know, that Spurs fan base in Asia is growing and that, especially with cream, something like that. Like I've just, I just find it a little, a little bit weird that it makes it into every single coverage. And it seems that it's a point that they really try and do. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, um, I know, I think Barty was saying this on the inch a while ago that, since we've signed Son, there has been an increase in Korean supporters attending games because he's so famous in Korea. And um, they, um, you know, you, you'll you see them when you're there. Um, and that's interesting in the, just in the sense that they're going to watch this dude and blah, blah, blah. But it, it, the, the constant cutting to it, in, like every game, you're right, there's a shot. There's at least one shot of uh, two Korean people <laughs> with some kind of sun. Uh, and it's it's bizarre. Like, why do we constantly need to be reminded of, of the fact that there are Korean fans and Sony's Korean? Oh, like, definitely. Well, it's and it's like that. Um, I, for, I forget which commentator it was, but do, wasn't it brought up like a potential nickname for the, the front three being like, the, it was like um, Kane, Kulisevsky and the Korean? <laughs> there was something, I think it was one of the commentators a while ago said that, and you're just like, that's not on. <laughs> like, you, yep. we can't just have that. And also, just even in terms of nicknames, KKK, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's it's just, like, it, it is ridiculous. And I think it's like, 
it gets made okay because look, the club is definitely, you know, trying to push into Asia and like, we're going on preseason. We're playing some games in South Korea. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just feel it's like, there's a lack of tactfulness about how that's handled by the broadcasters. And, um, in that sense, like on the name for our, our front three, we did run a little poll on the discord cause we're trying mm. to work out what, <laughs> what possible names work. Um, mm. for their letters. And the, some of the options we had were KSK, Kane Lasonsky, uh, the three, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I kind of love the three, um, El Diablo, Son Kulkainski and Kulasona Kainski. Um, now the one that came out on top was Kane Lasonsky. Um, Kane Lasonsky. Which is, it's ridiculous. It's, 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 yeah. it's insane. But have you heard any other, um, sort of possible nicknames because uh, I feel just like as football fans, we all, uh, for any club, we want to have an, a, a, like a nickname for our front three. Yeah. I mean, I loved when we had HBK when Bale, that's such a cool, mm. uh, but I love though that we had, um, you know, there was, when we had Desk with Ericsson, um, Son Kane and Delhi, and then there was a, a while ago where Extra Inch were talking about how to make um, the uh, front I can't remember what the the anagram was, but it involved Delhi, Bale, uh, Kane and Son, um, or front four rather. Like, and they were they were saying they're like, oh, we can't use Delhi. Oh no, we can't use Ali, um, because it was like Basque or something, um, because um, he wants to be called Delhi, not Ali. And I love that that is the kind of conversation with these fans. And then a broadcaster's like, what about KKK? Yeah. Like, <laughs> just completely like, <laughs> that is deranged. Um, I liked, what was it? Was it KSK? KSK. Yeah, I like KSK. I think that's the, that's the cleanest. Yeah. Um, of the lot. And probably the only like serious suggestion from that whole yeah. I mean, the three's pretty good. The three is pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. If we just for oh the three played well, you probably know mm. who we are talking about. Uh, but yeah. I, I think KSK. Yeah. So uh, so you know from the official a bit Spursy, um, in the in, so in the official a bit Spursy universe, are we going to move forward with mm. KSK for now? I think I think we're happy. With I think that. let's move forward. It's they're hard because none of them um, have uh, names that start with nouns. Um, so what do you mean a vowel? Yeah. Oh, you said with nouns. What's happening to my brain? It's it's, it's the COVID. It's COVID brain. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. Conte's yeah, in there. Yep, that's what I meant. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but no, right. There's no no vowels in there, so it's it's very challenging to make any word um, <laughs> mm. that sort of makes sense. But yeah, there we go. Yeah. K is K. K is K. K um, All right, the medal. The medal. The world famous bit spursy medal. Um, mm-hmm. which we are, we are merging into one. Like I, I we might've mentioned mm. this last week. Uh, I've started going through some episodes to write down our votes that we've given so far this season. It is a mm. tedious process. To be completely honest, but we will get there eventually. And then once we do up in the discord, we will have the, 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 the full list, which has all of our votes, all of our guests votes, and then mm-hmm. all the votes, which have come in from the community, uh, over the last couple of months as well. Excellent. Um, but the, yeah, the medal this week. Now, uh, online, not as many votes flying in as previous week where mm. previous week you couldn't stop people voting. 
Like, yeah. it's almost like people were getting friends to sign up or they were signing up to phantom accounts and jumping on and voting twice. And, you know, mm. we had, it, it was, it was crazy. But this week, uh, yeah, a little bit harder to come by. Um, do you want to start with yours, Barney, or would you like me to go first? Um, I would be, um, I would be more than happy to go first. All right. All right. Let's, um, let's have your votes, Barney. Okay, cool. So three votes I'm going to give to Pierre, um, because, uh, I thought he worked extremely hard. He was trying to get stuff going. He had Kane and Son having a very rough time in front of him. Um, I just think any, any opportunity that you can, um, reward him for his tenacity, uh, you should. Um, because if we're playing brilliantly, he's a cog in the machine. He's not a, um, what is the, what do cogs turn into? <laughs> what are they leading to? Um, I've only ever heard cogs in the machine and then that's, yeah. Where, where, what's the machine? What's the rest of the machine? Um, I was going to say spanner. No, spanner doesn't belong in a machine. <laughs> that's just what's used to fix cogs when something yeah, goes wrong. Exactly. Oh, um, yeah. All right. Well, put that to the discord. Uh, what is the machine? <laughs> Any engineers out there, please give yeah, us more machine please. parts and one Let that us. would accurately describe here. Yeah. Um, and then it's just this way. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> it's tough. It is. Uh, um, I'm going to give two votes to Decky Kulisevsky for that fantastic flying arm. Um, <laughs> uh, which was very naughty, but very funny. Um, I enjoyed that a lot. Did you see Cucurella came out? It was Cucurella said afterwards, cause he was asked about it. They're like, Oh, shouldn't he have been sent off? And he was like, no, nah, I think he was just annoyed. Cause I was like marking him real tightly and being annoying to him the whole game. Um, but then Cucurella even said like, no, nah, he didn't connect with me. So it shouldn't have been a red, like he shouldn't have been sent off for it. Um, mm. like the elbow went near my face, but he didn't hit me. So. Um, yeah. Ah, well, okay. Well, two votes stands for the skill to which Kulisevsky expressed himself without causing um, damage to the team or a fellow player. Definitely. Um, and then one vote. It, again, it's really slim pickings this week. It was just so blah. So maybe I'll give my one vote to um, Kurt Zuma's cat. I hope it's okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, it's fine. Um, point five, I'll give to Bergvine because he needs to be encouraged. Um, he should be on more. Um, uh, and the neg votes. Mm. Who are you going to neg? Who are you going to neg? Who am I going to neg? Um, I guess, I guess I'm going to neg Cucurella cause he was annoying. Um, uh, who was the, was, who was the ref? Uh, it was Craig Pawson. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give him a negative vote as well. Um, and I think that's it. I think that's it. See this, this is the difference between us and, you know, those who can choose when they do or don't want to vote. We are legally obliged to broadcast our votes. We are contractually so. bound to, mm. to doing that. Like Mike on the discord, uh, he made a very firm statement that he is abstaining from voting this week, but we do not have such luxury. No, we don't. Good on you, Mike, for um, <laughs> for just taking it off because, oof, it's rough. Um, yeah. All right, so I'll give my my votes out. Uh, I think I am going to give three votes to, um, 
to Ben Davies. The rationale being, why not? Mm. Uh, mm. Two votes. Uh, I'll give two votes to Pierre. Um, because, yeah, I, I do think that a lot of the slow play, it wasn't actually his fault. Um, and there wasn't sort of much movement around that. Uh, I'll give one vote to Hugo. You know, why not? <laughs> <laughs> If, if I was trying to like impress, if like this was like me trying to, you know, apply for something or like, you know, audition for something with any like, or show any sort of, you know, advanced thinking, here, <laughs> it would be falling very flat on its face. Um, it's, it was just such a good, such a hard game to really give out positives, even though we can't, we did hold them for almost 90 minutes, but we just didn't really create much. And it was just a bit sort of, sort of sloppy all around. Um, mm. Yeah. I think I'm going to give an encouragement to Bergwijn. Um, more, more Bergy. Uh, I'm going to give minus one to, I think minus one to Conte. Mm. Cause I just think some of the changes, and this is something that I, I kind of toss up between like, are we sometimes a little bit stubborn in like playing how Conte wants us to play, even if that's clearly not working? Like, especially in the first half, we were trying to pass it out of the back and, mm. um, we know Hugo's not good with his feet. So we can't just give yeah. it back to Hugo and then give him negative votes because he's not good with his feet because we know already that he's not good with his feet. Mm. But I just wonder if it's like, all right, let's, if they're, if Brighton are pushing up so high, surely we need a change of game plan now. And instead of going, no, 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 we are going to stay true and pass out from the back until we get a keeper who is very good with their feet and the ball on the ground. Um, I just don't think we can do that. So it just seemed a little bit stubborn to me that we, we stuck with that for so long. And I feel yep. like this game needed changes. It needed more energy earlier in the game. And I mean, we've already spoken about Stevie and bring him, bring him on earlier, get, get him more time. So negative there. Um, yeah, maybe I'll just give negative two to, to Craig Paulson as well. Because <laughs> yeah. M- yeah. should have been, I'm going to give negative three to Mwepu because I think he should have been sent off. Um, mm. Yeah, it's look. It's sometimes a bit spursy metal. It's not. It's not fun. It's not fun and lighthearted games and and balloons and yeah. clowns and penguins. Mm, yeah, yeah, and pe- penguins and clowns, <laughs> the two symbols of happiness and fun. Um, instead, you know, sometimes it's a slog. Sometimes you've got to just push through the votes, um, and and that's what we've done. So that's what congrats. we've done. Then. Yeah, and look, from the community votes this week, there it was very much the same. People were really struggling to give things out, including <laughs> Lazar, who gave votes to two emojis. Uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, nice. <laughs> instead. Uh, and, mm. and COVID finally got some, some negative votes as well. Oh, good. Um, finally. Finally, someone's standing up against COVID. That's good. <laughs> so, all right. So, Barney, looking forward. Uh, we've already spoken. Yep. We've got Brentford. Uh, yep. The interesting thing this week is the fact that Man U and Arsenal both play twice before we play Brentford, um, mm. including playing each other. So it, that's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens before we kick off against Brentford, because we could it, like it, it could go a bunch of ways. Like they both have tough games. So Liverpool, uh, Liverpool, Man U, and then Chelsea, Arsenal. And then mm. um, Arsenal Man U. So this means that Arsenal, by the time we play Brentford, will have played the same amount of games as we have. And Man U would have played one game more. 
Um, I think this is so crucial for Liverpool to beat Man U and Chelsea to beat Arsenal. Like yep. that, they're kind of like, this is a huge week for, for Spurs in three <laughs> yeah. games that we are not involved in, but mm. it really sort of sets up where we go from here, um, especially mm. with, you know, the, the, the North London derby coming up um, towards the end of the season. So I honestly think that Man U Arsenal, the best result there is to have, to have them draw um, if not, I think Manu winning and putting a little bit more distance between us and Arsenal, and also the fact that Manu played a game more at that stage, mm. um, would be would be good. So, yeah, this could really change the 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 Brentford fixture quite a lot, depending on what these results are by the time we get into that. So, I don't think I'll watch the Liverpool or Chelsea games because they're sort of midway. They're going to be early in the morning, but. Um, mm. I will try and watch the Arsenal Man U game, um, mm. because yeah, yeah, I will. I would say yeah, Arsenal Man U. What nine thirty on Saturday night, which is prime time to be on the Discord and fretting over the result, depending on what happens earlier in the week, trying to get them both to lose somehow. Um, I will definitely be there doing that. I, I'm very much looking forward to that game um, to put myself in a state, <laughs> put myself in an absolute state. <laughs> when I'm watching it. Um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess that's us for this week. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, um, keep on, uh, keep on chatting on the discord. I very much enjoy, um, uh, the, the discourse on the discord. It's, um, yeah, it's great. Good fun. And, um, please, uh, you know, stay safe. Uh, <laughs> and that's it that's it and the last thing actually we need to give a shout out to LJ who's uh, subscribed on the Patreon so ah LJ thank you very much for that and if anyone else would like to jump on the Patreon and sort of help us keep making it spursy uh, and provide some support there we'd greatly appreciate it uh, the links are on uh, all up at abitspursy.com but yeah look it was Ooh. it was fun Barney it's always it's always nice to uh, to sort of dive in and see what emotions we're feeling a few days after these games. But uh, I think overall we're still positive and, yeah, it's it's still looking good for the rest of the season. We don't need to panic just yet. Exactly. So uh, come on, you Spurs. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.